Ahoy, and welcome to The Jolly Reader. I'm your host, Captain Book. Thanks for listening. We're starting a new book today. I hope you liked my last review of The Girl in the Picture. This book that we're reading today, Two Can Keep a Secret by Karen M. McManus, is much more interesting, and there's a lot more characters and things going on. There's a lot of characters, a lot of confusing characters that are all attached to each other, connected to each other. So I made a graph of sorts, which I'll take a picture and put on my Instagram, the Jolly Reader podcast. And I actually have it taped to the door I keep shut in front of me so I can look at it while I'm recording this. Originally, I said that I thought this book was from one perspective. It's actually from two. So we have two narrators. We have Ellery and Malcolm. Oh, one more thing I wanted to say. In The Girl in the Picture, I definitely pronounce Lana's last name as Riviera. It's just Rivera. And I have literally done this my entire life. I will misread a name and then I will continue to say it wrong in my head for the rest of the time, which normally isn't a problem, but for podcast purposes, it can be. So... There's probably names in this book I'm going to say wrong. For example, they call their grandma Nana, and I just call her Nan. So I'll just kind of let you know. If you've read the books and I'm saying things wrong, I'm very sorry, but that's just how it's going to be. So let's just jump right in to Two Can Keep a Secret by Karen McManus. Chapter one is from Ellery's Perspective. And it's Friday, August 30th, and we don't have any years in this book, but we're going to assume that it's like present day, early 2000s. Ellery and her twin brother are at an airport, and they just traveled from California to Vermont, and they're going to go stay with their Nana, whose first name is also Nora, and I am going to call her Nan. So they're going to stay with their Nan, and they've only met their Nan a few times, but I think they have video chatted. It's not super clear, but Ellery has lost her suitcase. So there's a lot of character development, and I'm just going to skim through it. They talk to the guy at the counter about her suitcase, and she makes a comment about they're at Murderland. Murderland is the amusement park in the town, and then we'll get into it more, but someone was murdered there, and the owners changed the name from Murderland to Fright Farm, and she just makes a comment that people open up more to Ezra because he has more of a trusting face, that kind of comes around because her mom's a twin too, so they make comparisons of her and her brother to her mom and her mom's twin sister. But they call their mom by her first name, Sadie, and they explain why more. But at this point, she talks about having a book from her mom called Cold Blood because Ellery's really into true crime, which I feel you, girl. Who is it these days? But anyways, she talks about how her mom probably forged the signature of the author in the book, and she should have just gotten reliable breaks on the car instead, and she's never been good at long-term planning. They leave the airport and they're getting picked up by their nan and they see that Melanie Kilduff is driving nan in the car to go pick her up. And Melanie 
is Nan's next door neighbor. Well, I don't know if they're next door, but they live on the same street. And she used to babysit for Sadie, the mom. Then they start talking about, well, Ellery tells us, her mom's only been back to Echo Ridge twice since she turned 18. And once was when her father died from a heart attack the year before the twins were born. Then five years ago, for Melanie's teenage daughter's funeral, Lacey is the daughter's name. She was a homecoming queen, and she was found strangled in the Halloween theme park, Murderland. And then after that, they changed the name of it to Fright Farm. And she was the second teenager from Echo Ridge who lived on the same street to make the tragic headlines. I don't know if they talk about this right away, but I'm just going to tell you because it's not a big secret. So Sadie's twin sister is Sarah, and 22 years ago, Sarah disappeared, and they haven't heard from her since. So that's what she's referring to, like the second teenager. They talk about how Sadie doesn't talk about Echo Ridge or Lacey's funeral. As they're driving, Melanie says to the twins that they're sorry about what happened to their mom, Sadie, and they know that they'll be like back in California with her soon. And she hopes they enjoy Echo Ridge. And Ellery says to us, you mean, sorry, my mom drove her car into a jewelry jewelry store while she was high on opioids and had to go to rehab for three months. So just like another side note, Nan was a teacher. And when Sadie was court ordered the rehab, they told her like the kids had to stay with family and their biological father was not an option They said that their mother doesn't talk about him, and he was a one-night stand, but during their encounter, he claimed to be a stuntman. Oh, also, another, like, side note, Sadie is a struggling actress, and she had, like, some walk-on roles as, like, a dead body in a crime scene movie, and then they talk about later on that she was in a semi-famous movie. I don't even think it's a real movie, but she had, like, a one line that people still quote, and people throughout the town bring this up to the twins, and they're like, oh yeah, I remember your mom. She said blah 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 in this movie. So anyways, they don't have any aunts and uncles or cousins, so that's why Nan was their only option, and she was happy to take them in. So they're driving to Echo Ridge from the airport, and it starts hailing, Melanie pulls over and waits for it to subside. Nan, the teacher, describes how hail works, how it's freezing rain. I don't know. We're going to keep on moving. They drive past the Echo Ridge sign, and Ellery says how Sadie would only talk about the town when she was drunk. And the sign says population 4,935. And she said it never changed her entire 18 years that she lived there. And if you're going to bring someone in, you have to take someone out first. It's like living in a postcard, pretty shiny and enclosed. And everyone who lives in Echo Ridge acts like you'll vanish if you venture outside the border, which I just want to mention, that's a really small town. But uh, the (laughs) town I live in is like 2000 people. And that's not even an exaggeration. Anyways, they're driving under the arch of an overpass. And apparently there's, like, a really sharp curve underneath, and it's been, like, a problem with accidents, and Nan doesn't like it. So she tells Melanie to drive slowly and to be careful. Melanie turns on her high beams, and there's no streetlights, and she stops. They jump out of the car, and the twins are like, 
what's going on. And Ellery says, in the middle of the road, covered in blood, with his neck bent in a horribly wrong angle, his eyes are wide open, staring at nothing, like they find a dead body in the road. So, we're starting off strong. We have a missing person, we have a dead prom queen from five years ago, and now we get another dead body, so I was definitely intrigued. This is much better than Ghost Chase. Chapter 2, Ellery, Saturday, August 31st. So, it's the next morning, and Ezra wakes up Ellery, and Nan says that the kids need to get ready because a police officer is going to come by and talk to them about the man they found on the road. So it turns out that the man on the road was Jason Bowman, and he was a science teacher at the school. He also was the band director. Melanie is a nurse, so she performed CPR until the ambulance got there, but she basically like knew he was already dead. And he was wearing athletic clothes and sneakers. I will tell you, they kind of explain it away, but my first thought was like, why is he out in a sale? hailstorm that just seemed really weird but anyways Ellery doesn't have any clothes because her suitcase is lost she's like either wearing Ezra's clothes or Nan bought her clothes at like their one clothing store in town that also sells like pots and pans and it's like an emporium which sounds silly but like I'm jealous I have to drive 20 minutes to get clothes but anyways just through character building. They talk about how Ezra's boyfriend, Michael, broke up with him a week before they left California because long distances, the long distance relationships don't work. And she talks about how she's staying in her mom's old room, but there's no sense that her mom was ever there. It's just like a guest bedroom. And she talks about the two photos that she had in her carry-on bag and one's of her and her brother. And then there's one of her mom and Sarah the photos look really similar, I guess. And I guess Ellery's more like Sarah, more like reserved and serious. And then Ezra's more like the mom, but like way less reckless. So the picture is of Sarah and Sadie when they were seniors. And it was a few weeks before Sarah disappeared. And that was 23 years ago. I think I said 22 earlier. 23 years ago. Also... Ezra says at the airport at one point, backtracking a little bit, that what a weird thing to grow up with knowing how easily you could have been the wrong twin. That kind of comes back around. I have some theories, so just keep that quote in the back of your head, and then we'll talk about it in the lingering questions and lingering theories section. So anyways, Eller just kind of talks about how weird it would be to lose your twin, because when you come into the world with another person, they're part of your own heartbeat. She says Sadie is smiling and Sarah's a more serious one. And then she talks about how her mom was a failed actress. Maybe if Sarah had been there, Sadie would have a better life. And she says that her mom's reason for addiction to painkillers was because she strained her shoulder. And then she had a bad breakup and then another lost movie role. And then they moved into a horrible, like their worst apartment yet on her 40th birthday. And she thinks, like, all this downward spiral started when she lost her sister, Sarah. Also, I just want to kind of mention that, like, I totally get some of this because my mom is an identical twin. So anyways, we're going to get past this character development, and it's going to be worth it. Officer Ryan Rodriguez shows up to the house to interview them, and then he's also a neighbor. He lives in the same neighborhood as Nan and Melanie. 
and he went to school with Lacey. They just kind of talk about how he's clumsy and, like, is he even really an adult yet? Because he would only be five years older than them and probably, like, right out of the academy. So he's only 22. He says to them that he already spoke to Melanie about the hit and run. If they remember anything important, they should talk to him about it. And Nan says that she noticed an umbrella and a Tupperware next to Mr. Bowman. I don't know. They just talk about Ryan being really nervous. He knocks his coffee over. She comments that he stumbles over Melanie's name like the entire time. They kind of go into Ryan's backstory. He's the youngest in his family. His father died of cancer a few months ago and his mother passed away the year before and he's still living at home. And the kids kind of judge him about that. But Nan, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but Nan's like, you know, it's not unusual. When he came home from college, when his dad was sick to like take care of him and That's actually, like, exactly what my husband did when his mom got cancer. He came home and was, like, living there to help take care of her. So, anyways, he's the only one living in the house now that his parents have passed away. Ellery asked if he, this officer, Ryan, was friends with Lacey or... Oh, I think she asked Nan this. Asked Nan if he was friends with Lacey. And she's like, I don't know, but they both worked at Fright Farm together and it opens up next weekend right before school starts you'll hear it it's only a 10 minute walk through the woods from nan's house which let's just set up like the creepiest let's walk to this horror themed theme park that's 10 minutes behind my grandma's house but i have to go through the woods first pass both the twins are surprised that melanie's family still lives 10 minutes from where their daughter was found murdered And Nan just talks about how they have two younger children that are 12 and 6. And, like, that's what kept Lacey's parents going after such a terrible loss. And then Ezra asks if there was any suspects in Lacey's murder. And Ellery and Nan both just say, like, plenty of people think it was the boyfriend. And Lacey's boyfriend at the time was Declan Kelly. Nan says that he wasn't officially a suspect, but he was questioned several times. And then after graduation... He left, and then after that, Declan's father moved away. And then they mentioned that Declan has a younger brother who's Malcolm, and he is the same age as the twins and will be in school with them, but he's not as outgoing. He's quiet and doesn't strut around town like his brother did. And then they basically said that there was no hard evidence against Declan. And then Ellery says that she's read enough true crime books to know that it's always the boyfriend, which is a super valid point, but... I feel like it's too obvious in this book. Chapter three is from Malcolm's perspective. So this is Declan's younger brother. And it's Wednesday, September 4th. Malcolm and his mom are in New Hampshire visiting family and they stop by Declan's house. And I think he's living like in his aunt's basement or something. His brother asked how it feels to live at the Nilsons house. Declan's dad left and his mom married Peter who's a uh, rich lawyer. People were shocked they were even dating and like even more shocked when they got married because her son's like a suspect in murder and then he's like some fancy lawyer person. Peter has a daughter. So this would be Malcolm's stepsister and they're the same age and her name is Katrin. And I don't even know if I'm saying it right, but I will be calling her Kat from here on out. K-A-T. And he thinks that she's like hot but annoying and she's a popular prom queen and he's just like a nerdy band person which I take offense to because I'm a nerdy band person but he plays snare drum he's like the coolest of the band people but anyways they get back and Malcolm asks his stepdad how the dinner with Mr. Coates went so Mr. Coates is the former mayor 
I think he was the mayor when Lacey was murdered, but Declan wanted a recommendation from Mr. Coates for a job because he's majoring in politics. I don't know. That's all. I, they just, like, kind of talk about how Peter, like, doesn't really mention Declan at all, and he's just kind of, like, lukewarm about Malcolm, but, like, he doesn't show a lot of emotions. Like, you just can't really tell. Like, he'll, like, raise his eyebrows like he's annoyed, but he doesn't really do much, so we'll kind of see. But they're, like, about to go to the Lacey Kilduff Memorial Scholarship Fundraiser, and this is the first time they've, like, his family, his mom and him have ever even been invited since the brother's a suspect. Kat makes, like, some dig at her mom for wearing, like, a bohemian necklace instead of pearls or whatever. So all this just kind of show, like, Malcolm has, like, this internal temper that he has to, like, continuously push down. But he says, oh, I don't know why Kat's even mad because my mom's his third wife and Kat's mom's been long gone to Paris. So she shouldn't be mad or jealous or whatever. Whatever. Character building. We're getting through it. It'll be worth it in the end, though. I hope so. So they're on their way to this event and... Kat mentions that it's a shame that Malcolm and his mom were out of town for Mr. Bowman's funeral service. And Malcolm's really upset because that was his favorite teacher. And after Declan and his dad moved away, he was really upset and had pent up anger. So this teacher like encouraged him to play drums instead of acting out. So he asked why was Mr. Bowman even out in a hailstorm? And Peter said, that they found a Tupperware container near him and the teachers thought like maybe he was collecting hail for a lesson he was planning on climate change. I mean, maybe. Was he going to just like keep it in a freezer? I don't know. I thought that was a really weird explanation for it, but I guess it kind of makes sense and why make such a big deal out of it, but that's just me. So they describe like the town and how the cultural center, which is where this scholarship fundraiser is going to be at, is like the nicest building in the town and it has a clock tower and like a wooden door. I don't know. It doesn't really come back around. I thought it might be like this important place. The final event might happen in the book, but I don't know. They don't really ever talk about it again. But this is the first time they're showing up for a night honoring Lacey's death. And most people in town believe that his Declan, his brother, killed Lacey. So it's all awkward. But Kat goes off with her boyfriend, who's Theo, and he's a jock that doesn't like Malcolm. Then Malcolm just kind of notes to us that Declan and Lacey were fighting the weeks before her death and that Declan could be arrogant, but it's not with Lacey. And then suddenly they were slamming doors and canceling dates and going back and forth on social media. And the news stations after her death loved to show one of his last messages to her that said, I'm so effing done with you. Done. You have no idea. He kind of like, flashes back to the present day and Lacey's mom comes up and hugs and greets them. And he notes that she's like always been nice to their family, even though most people hate them. And he said, he's not sure if she believes if Declan did it or not, but because she's never sitting publicly, but she obviously doesn't blame Declan's family members for what happened. This is the first time Malcolm notices Ellery and Ezra because there's not people that leave the town and Ellery's hair is kind of crazy. Like, boring Nicole's hair from the last book. So he just kind of notes that like he notices it and that she's wearing a retro dress because she doesn't have any clothes and he's staring at her and then he kind of like snaps out of it and he's like, no one likes a Kelly boy staring. So Kat begs her dad to go sit with her boyfriend and his family. So Theo's her boyfriend. Then Theo invites Kyle, who's his best friend to sit down with them. Kyle's dad is Chad McNulty, and he's the officer that investigated Lacey's murder, and he never liked Declan because Declan dated Liz, 
his daughter. So this is Chad's daughter and Kyle's sister. And then Declan dumped Liz for Lacey. And Liz was so upset that she dropped out of school for a few months. This is like really intricate and confusing. So like I said, I made a chart and I will post it on Instagram. So it makes things a little easier to follow. So this is all just kind of like too much for Malcolm. So he needs some fresh air. So he goes outside and he smells a chemical smell. So most people in books and movies start following all the weird stuff. So he starts going towards this weird smell and he trips over his breaking can that's missing its top and he picks it up and he keeps walking and there's like a sign outside this building and he walks towards the sign and it says, Murderland, the sequel coming soon. Ellery walks up next to him and she's looking at the sign and then the paint can in his hand and he says this isn't what it looks like and that's where the chapter ends so chapter four is from ellery's perspective and it's saturday september 7th so it's been a week and ellery still doesn't have her suitcase and school starts in two days she's texting with one of her friends from california and she basically talks about how ezra makes friends a lot easier and she doesn't really i think this is more like a pen pal situation but this friend asked if she's met any cute boys and she said yeah one but he's possibly a vandal referring to malcolm then she gets a phone call from her mom and they shouldn't be getting a call from their mom for another two weeks and the mom's using a contraband phone from one of the nurses because the nurse recognized her for that one role i was talking about she basically says like that well first of all nan is paying for the rehab center but she doesn't take any blame for what happened she always says it's someone someone else's fault like the doctors shouldn't have prescribed her so much the brakes on her car are the reason she crashed and and all that and ellery's kind of like over it but she tells her mom about the graffiti and then she says that she was interviewed that night by officer mcnulty and sadie mentions that they dated sophomore year and then she asks if she met ben Coates or peter nilson ellery mentions that Peter is Malcolm's stepdad, and they kind of just, like, explain that and talk about, oh, that's weird, oh, he was cute, whatever, when they were in high school. Then she mentions Officer Ryan and the hit and run, and Sadie says when she went back for Lacey's funeral that Ryan fell apart at the funeral and was way more upset than Lacey's boyfriend, Declan, and Sadie has to get off the phone, but Ellery mentions that they're going to the Fright Farm, which opens this weekend. Then she, there's, like, a exchange, but Ellery kind of talks about how Ezra is so much like her mom, like blissfully optimistic, and it's impossible to tell you or tell them what you really think around them. Ezra and Ellery get to Fright Farm, and Ellery grabs maps and applications for a job there because they want to pull their weight and help Nan. And then Ezra asks where Lacey died, and Ellery says under the Ferris wheel, but that's just where they found the body. And it wasn't unusual for Echo Ridge kids to sneak in after hours. And there weren't security cameras back then. And then they look up and there's like security cameras now. They don't head over to the Ferris wheel because it just seems weird. So they go over to the carnival games and there's a drunk man just being obnoxious. And he's like beating all the kids and it's like, who's next? Who's next? And Ellery says, oh, I'm going to go against him to shut him up. So he introduces himself as Vance Puckett. And he is also one of their mom, Sadie's ex-boyfriends. We later find out that was her, the mom's prom date senior year when the mom was prom queen. But he's like gross and kind of falling apart. He's a hot mess. And the mom described him as like attractive. So he kind of lost it since they graduated. 
She goes against him, and they're doing, like, a target game, and he shoots 10 of the 12 targets, and she shoots down 11, and the crowd cheers, and he sulks up, yay, whatever. And the girl behind the counter, who they note that has, like, bags on her eyes and looks like she hasn't slept in a week, she thanks them, and she's like, I can give you free wristbands for the House of Horrors, and Ellery says, well, instead, will you put, like, a good word in for us with your boss, because we need jobs. She's like, oh, they only hire Echo Ridge kids. And she, and Ellery's like, yeah, we are from Echo Ridge. We just moved here. And then the girl recognizes them as the twins. She knows who they are. She takes her applications and she introduces herself as Brooke Bennett. And she's going to be one of their classmates. Chapter five, Malcolm, Sunday, September 8th. So Malcolm and his friend Mia Kwan are hanging out and Mia is talking about how her sister Daisy who was Lacey's best friend moved back in with their parents and she went graduated and went to Princeton and then got a job in Boston and was doing like everything she was supposed to do and then a month after she got that job she abruptly quit and then moved home. Malcolm talks about how Daisy was like his first crush and then how Mia was in love with both Lacey and Declan Mia and Malcolm became friends through, like, their older siblings being friends. Then Kat comes into the house with her friends, Viv and Brooke from Fright Farm. They joke and they're mean and whatever because they're popular and Mia and Malcolm are, like, outcasts. The death of their teacher comes up and Mia says that the hit, the hit was an accident but the running was murder because he still might have been alive if someone stopped to call the police or to help him. Brooke's crying pretty uncontrollably over this teacher cats like get over it and then they talk about how homecoming is like a huge deal they can start voting for the prom court i think like that coming week and the four of the six spots are already taken like in cat's mind it's cat and theo her boyfriend and then brooke and kyle and the other two spots are just open so then cat lets malcolm and mia drive her fancy car to the graveyard because they want to go put flowers on the teacher's gravesite since malcolm missed the funeral so as we're like going to the gravesite, Malcolm's talking to us and he's thinking about his parents and he said like they already weren't getting along. And then six months after Lacey was killed, they got a divorce and the dad moved away. And he said he was glad the dad moved away, but then the dad moved in with a woman half his age and kept forgetting support checks. So he got angry, but he wasn't allowed to be angry because that's what people said about Declan. Like Declan's a hothead. So he just didn't want to further have people talk about the family. They're at the gravesite and they see something red in the distance and they walk over to it and there's graffiti on the mausoleum and there's three dolls hanging in prom dresses with nooses around their neck and there's a red message that says, I'm back, pick your queen Echo Ridge, happy homecoming. Mia and Malcolm are standing there and they're debating on whether they should like tell the police because he feels like he was lucky the first time that the police even believed that he didn't spray paint the first graffiti because Ellery didn't tell them that he was holding a spray paint can. Mia's basically like we should tell and she takes pictures of the whole mausoleum to like document the scene and Vance Puckett comes out of the woods and they mentioned that he lives behind the cemetery and he was like doing okay. He had his own contracting business and then he was sued and he's been like a drunk ever since. And they talk about how at some point he may have stolen from Peter. I don't know. They just talk about how he's a loser. Oh, and how he cuts through the graveyard to go get alcohol, like go to the liquor store. So he sees the mausoleum and he says that, pretty girls make graves and it's like a song 
And then he mentions how, oh, that's creative. And Mia, like, it's horrible. And he says, I never said it wasn't horrible. Maybe you guys should run along and tell the police. And then he says to Malcolm as, like, Mia and Malcolm are leaving. You should make sure your sister lies low for a change. It doesn't seem a great year to be a prom queen. Chapter 6 is Ellery, Monday, September 9th. And it's the first day of school. And one of my favorite parts, so they're describing the kids in school and how there's not a lot of diversity and it's mostly like blonde hair, blue eyed kids. Ezra sees a sign for the 4-H club and Ellery's like, what is that? And he's like, I think cows are involved, which is hilarious for anyone that lives in the Midwest and knows exactly what 4-H is. But then he talks about how they probably don't have an active LGBTQ alliance there and he like hopes he can find another kid that's not straight. So then he sees a cute Asian girl and he describes her. So we know it's Mia and someone yells at her that she forgot to cut half her hair because she has half her head shaved and she flips him off. And Ezra's like, hello, new friend, and just runs after her, which is amazing. Then Ellery sees three girls walk down the hall and it's Cat, Liv, and Brooke. And it's basically described as the scene from Mean Girls when they come walking out. Cat's like, we've heard all about you, everything, even like kind of implying like we know all the bad stuff too, like your mom's was high and crashed into this building or whatever. Actually, I don't think Ezra runs after Mia, but he said, because in this part he says, I have a really strong feeling that on Wednesdays they were pink. They invite Ellery to have lunch with them. Ellery sits with them and there's like a homecoming sign above their table and this is October 5th, his homecoming. Cat basically explains that her and Brooke are cheerleaders dating football players and then Viv is, like, the newspaper editor, and she doesn't have a boyfriend, and it's, like, all a sore subject. And then Ellery mentions that she hasn't had a boyfriend in eight months. One of them brings up that Ellery and her brother and her grandma found Mr. Bowman, and Brooke, like, breaks into tears, and Kat's like, you shouldn't talk about it if it makes you this upset. And they talk about how it's been, like, awful with the graffiti and, like, what happened to Mr. Bowman. And then Viv says she's going to write a feature about it and she's going to talk to, like, all the senior, the seniors from Lacey's class and where are they now from, like, five years ago. And if it's good, the regular newspaper will pick it up. She asked Ellery if she was there when Malcolm, with Malcolm when they found the graffiti at the Culture Center. Then they talk about, like, how they're going to announce the homecoming court that next week and how Brooke and Kat... And their boyfriends are, like, guaranteed. And then she mentions, like, what about Viv? And Viv's like, I'd rather not be a part of it. It's super creepy. This is, like, kind of weird. So Ellery and Viv are talking. And she gets into this whole, like, true crime thing. She's like, it was a different MO. These aren't connected. So they're talking about how Lacey was strangled. And that's super violent and personal. And the graffiti is really premeditated. So she doesn't think they're the same person. So then she mentions that it's super sketchy that Malcolm found the graffiti because he's like Declan's weirdo brother. And Kat shuts her up and is like, Malcolm's nerdy, but he's all right. And then Brooke says, I don't think he's a nerd. He's gotten cute lately. And then Kat's like, I didn't know that you noticed. Kind of like hinting that Brooke like kind of has a crush on him, even though she has a boyfriend. Anyways, so Ellery sees Malcolm and Mia and Ezra all sitting together. She asked if they think that Declan should be in jail, if they thought Declan killed Lacey, and Viv says yes. Viv thinks that it's the same person writing the notes in, who killed Lacey. So they ask if she thinks that if Declan killed Lacey, and she says yes. Kathy was like, well, don't, if you think they're the same person, like, how could it be Declan? He lives, like, in another state. Then there's, like, this huge pause, and Viv says, didn't you know Declan's back in town? So, dun-dun-dun. 
Chapter 7, Malcolm, Monday, September 9th. So, Malcolm meets his brother Declan at this tavern in town, but, like, they let minors in, but they don't let them drink. Malcolm's like, what are you doing here? And Declan says he's not home for good. He's just here to talk. And Malcolm asks if it's Daisy, and he just, like, frowns and is, like, annoyed. And Malcolm talks about how his brother's a hothead, but in no possible universe in which my hothead testosterone-fueled brother dresses up a trio of dolls like homecoming queens and ties them to a mausoleum. And then he says, like, it's more likely that he would place his hands around Lacey's throat and squeeze the life out of her. And then he feels bad for thinking that. And he talks about, like, how horrible it is the way the town treats Declan. And then Declan talks about how him and Lacey just outgrew each other, but they didn't know it at the time because they were just stupid teenagers. They would have eventually figured out how to break up and move on with other people, but they never got the chance. And then Malcolm mentions how the mayor said that Lacey's death was just a tragic, random act of violence that some deprived individual passing through did. He talks to Declan about how his stepdad, Peter, talked to the mayor for Declan, and Declan's like, "Uh, yeah, he probably didn't do that, but whatever. So then there's a man in the bar that's in his early 50s that approaches them, and he's like, are you Declan Kelly? And Declan just walks out of this bar and says, I'm nobody. And then the guy goes back to his stool, and he leaves Malcolm there. Malcolm has no ride home. So Malcolm, he's walking home and he sees Ellery rolling her suitcase back to her grandma's house because I guess her suitcase finally showed up. They delivered it to the neighbor's house. He's like talking about how she's pretty in a weird way and he thanks her for not assuming that he was the perpetrator of the graffiti and she said it's it's no problem and she said normally people don't look so horrified by their own graffiti so she didn't think he did it. She says, like, matter-of-factly that I know it's awkward because your brother's a suspect in Lacey's murder. Then Malcolm mentions that he met her mother, Sadie, when she came in town for Lacey's funeral and describes her as an energy that swept through town and electrified everyone. And the town was, like, a big stage for her. And then Ellery calls her mom Sadie, and he asks why she calls her by her first name. And she said when they were younger... They would call her Sadie because she wanted them to pretend that she was their older sister on audition because no one wants to hire someone that has preschoolers. It's not appealing in Hollywood. They're walking and they almost get hit by a bright red BMW and it's Kat's car. Brooke's in the car too. And Kat's basically saying to Malcolm, you've been keeping secrets. I didn't know Declan was back in town. Why didn't you tell me? And he says that he didn't know either before his meeting with him. He basically says that she's being a pain and just being kind of mean. And she offers to give him a ride home and tells him to get in the backseat. She says to Brooke, you're welcome. Like trying to put Malcolm and Brooke next to each other in the car because she knows Brooke kind of likes him. So then Kat asks Malcolm what Declan's doing there anyways. And Malcolm says he doesn't know, which is true. But then he says to us, what's been bothering him is when he talked to Declan He avoided every single one of his questions, which is something I noticed right away during that meeting. But he's being all sketchy, which you probably shouldn't do if you're like a suspect in a murder. But I don't know why in movies and TV shows and books you're a suspect, but you think telling the truth will only get you in more trouble? I don't really understand that, but that's okay. Chapter 8, Ellery, Monday, September 9th. 
Ellery goes through her suitcase and she pulls out the necklace her mom gave her and it's mentioned multiple times. So I'm not really sure if it's going to be important long term, but her mom said she got it for her favorite murder addict. It looks like a rose, but it's actually a dagger. She just kind of mentions to us that she wishes that she could have a real conversation with her mom about Sarah, but she'd rather just give her a necklace and like shove it off. So Nan wants to return the clothes she bought since Ellery's stuff is here to the emporium and she says i have no illusions about my familiarity with teen fashion and let's not let it go to waste ellery mentions some of the stuff she's learned about her grandmother she'll drive under the speed limit she likes to be home 40 minutes before six so she can take her time cooking like they always have a protein starch and a vegetable and she likes them to be in their rooms by 10 and ellery said she was surprised by how she likes routine because the past six months her mom like became super erratic because the doctor she found a doctor that would refill her Vicodin and that's when she like crashed her car so they're driving to the store and Nan and her are talking about the weather and how it's warm days and cool nights and it's good weather they mention the weather a lot so I don't know if that's going to come back around but it hasn't yet Ellery also talks about how nice the houses are and how anything different stands out like Mia and Sadie. They're really easy to spot because they're not the norm of the town. So then Nan says that the guidance counselor had called and that Ellery has excellent grades but has no record of taking her SAT. And Ellery says she hadn't really thought about it. And she talks about how her mom got an inheritance and then used temporary work and acting. So she never had like anything steady and she never discouraged the twins from going to college, but it was clear that they would be on their own if they did want to go to college. So last fall, Ellery looked up tuition and she immediately decided against it, which I totally understand. Both me and my husband are in college right now. It's expensive and we're not 17 trying to figure it out. So she told Nan that she wasn't sure if she was going to go to college and Nan said, oh, I thought you were going to be a future lawyer. And she asked Nan how you knew that. And she says, oh, because you're into criminal justice and you're analytical and well-spoken. And Nan said that she would help Ellery and Ezra with tuition if they kept their grades up and went to a state school. So then she says, so you first you need to take your SAT. So you'll probably do that in December. Oh, Nan also says that she thinks it would be nice to have another college graduate in the family. You'll learn like throughout this book that Nan is over Sadie. She's just, like, annoyed by her constantly. Ellery brings up that no one ever talks about Sarah. And she asks Nan what Sarah's like and says that her mom, Sadie, never talks about her. And Nan describes Sarah as her thinker and that she read constantly and questioned everything. She was very smart in math and science. She wanted to work for NASA. Ellery asked if her mom and Sarah got along. And Nan says that they were thick as thieves and they had very distinct personalities, but they could mimic one another and used to fool people all the time, which my mom and her twin sister used to do that all the time. They would switch places and they would trick people. And that's a real thing that twins, identical twins do. I can confirm. (laughs) When we were little, they used to dress up identical to each other and then have us try to pick out which one was our mom. I always got it right. But anyways... So Nan describes Sarah as marvelous and Ellery asked Nan if she thinks that if Sarah could still be somewhere and Nan said she would never run away. Ellery says, I wish I could have met her and Nan says, I do too. So then they go into the store. Melanie is there with her two youngest daughters. Julia is six and is in like this blue 
princess dress and she wants to go on stage, which is really just the display window. And she's getting a dress for her recital. And she says, I look like a princess. Come look to her sister, who's a preteen, Caroline. And Caroline murmurs, princess, what a stupid thing to want to be while looking at like the homecoming dresses. Ellery makes a note of that and... She says, like, I'm sure Caroline's just being a moody teenager and annoyed by getting dragged along by her little sister. But then Ellery starts thinking about the dolls in the cemetery and she feels angry that they've lost all their princesses and no one knows why. And she's sick of being tangled up in the secrets of Echo Ridge and questions that never have been answered. And she wants to help the little girls and their sister and Melanie and her own mother and her nan. And she wants to do something for the missing girls that have been left behind. Chapter 9, Malcolm, Thursday, September 19th. So he's in the hallway and Kyle, who is Brooke's boyfriend, is just being a jerk to him and he asks why Declan is in town and he says to Malcolm he, that Declan better stay away from his sister Liz and Malcolm says that Declan couldn't care less about Liz and that that's true and then Kyle's mad and about to punch Malcolm. Ellery's by her locker and she nonchalantly interrupts and calls Malcolm's name and asks for Malcolm to show him her where the auditorium is and Kyle says I'll give you a hint it's away from this loser Ellery's like your fly's down and he looks down and it's like all embarrassing and then the coach comes and says we're going to the auditorium so he takes Kyle and Theo and they follow and then Malcolm's all awkward and he's like you didn't have to do that she's like I don't understand why Kyle's such a big deal around here and I don't know what Brooke sees in him Malcolm agrees she asked if what he was saying about his sister and Malcolm explains Declan broke up with Liz for Lacey and she dropped out of school for a few months. And then when she went back, it took her a few extra years to graduate. And he says that Liz wasn't very good in school to start with, but the family likes to blame Declan for her struggles. And then Malcolm just mentions that they've been eating lunch together, but it's weird that like weird in a good way that him and Ellery are comfortable talking about the dark stuff. And then he realizes that they're two sides of the same coin. So they're both part of mysteries, but like her aunt's the victim and his brother is the suspect. It's obviously two different crimes, but it's just different perspectives. And that's kind of why they get along. He says, welcome to the small town life. You're only as good as the best thing your family's done or the worst. And Eller says, or the worst thing that's been done to them. They're at the assembly and Ezra and Mia show up in matching t-shirts with the Fright Night staff shirt. It's just adorable. Their friendship's amazing. They just kind of talk about how the twins are checking wristbands at the House of Horrors and then that broke out them a really good job. And Mia's mad because she's only ever had to work with toddlers. She doesn't really like kids. She's serving like slushies to the kids. And Malcolm talks about how he doesn't work at Fright Farm. So the assembly is about to start and they're discussing, like the group of them are discussing who will be prom king and queen. And they're just kind of like guessing people. Mia mentions that Daisy is obsessed with homecoming history and maybe it's because she was a runner-up, like, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Ellery asks if Daisy would be, like, jealous of Lacey. And she says that Daisy's sugar and spice and everything nice, the perfect Korean daughter until recently. So they go to announce the court. And the boys are first. So it's Theo, Kyle, and then just, like, a throwaway character, Troy. And then the girls are announced. And it's Kat and Brooke. And then... The kid announcing is like all shocked and thinks it's like wrong. 
but it ends up being Ellery. She kind of asks, like, did you vote for me to their friend group? And all of them were like, we didn't vote. And she's like, I didn't vote either. And she's like, this has to be rigged. Like, someone put my name. It's like Harry Potter. Did you put your name in that goblet? Yeah, that's what happened. But it was Ellery. She feels like maybe this person writing the threats is targeting her. So later on, Kat's in a mood and she drives Malcolm to school and she's already in a bad mood. She storms inside and there's a cluster around her and Brooke and Ellery's lockers. And when he goes to get a better look, he sees red paint and twisted dolls dangling from each of their lockers, like the ones from the cemetery. There's thick letters scrawled in red. This is on Ellery's locker. And it says, remember Murderland, Princess? I do. Ezra basically says that's messed up. And Ellery says, so much for welcoming me to town. Like kind of confirming that she thought she was being targeted. Chapter 10, Ellery, Saturday, September 21st. Ellery and Ezra are at the public library and they're looking at old yearbooks and they're trying to figure out the connection between their missing aunt and Lacey and then all these threats going on now. Ezra kind of makes a comment like, you know, we can't fix our mom. And Ellery says, I don't want to fix her. I just want to understand her because he kind of doesn't understand why they're looking through their mom's old yearbook. Then she talks about how nobody in school voted for her for homecoming. Someone must have rigged the votes. And she thinks it's because of her connection to Sarah that someone put her name in. Ezra asked, like, how could you even do that? And she said, well, you could have just hacked the voting app that they had, which my husband works in IT and I talked to him extensively. Totally could happen. Ellery is looking through the yearbook from five years ago. Actually, I think she's looking at the junior year book. So this would be the year before Lacey died. And she sees Declan and Lacey and Daisy and they all look super popular, super pretty. And then she sees Ryan, who is the police officer, and he looks super awkward and nerdy. Ezra mentions that Ryan is selling the house because I guess Nan must have told him, but the house is too big for one person now that his parents had passed. And she asks if Ryan's leaving town and Ezra says he didn't know. He just knew that he was selling the house. Ellery flips through the yearbook and she sees that you know, Lacey was just like involved in everything and Declan was too and he played football and there's a junior class photo and they're posing at Echo Ridge Lake. Lacey's smiling and Declan has his arms around her. She says that Daisy looks startled like she wasn't ready for the photo to be taken. And then off to the side is Ryan and he looks mad and he's staring at Lacey. Then they start looking at their mom's old yearbook and the brother's like, is this what you wanted to see? And he points at a picture and Ellery thinks it's her mom, Sadie. She sees a name under it and it's really a picture of Sarah. And she says they look identical right down to the smile. And the only difference is they're wearing different sweaters. So this kind of confirms what Nan was saying, how they could easily switch places and trick people. They have to be work to work in an hour. So Ellery says, let's stop by Mia's house first. I want to meet Daisy and like, make it seem like it was an accident. Oh, we're just here to see our friend. What are you up to, sketchy person? They get to Mia's house and a Nissan pulls up and Daisy's in the car. Like she's a driver and she's oversized sunglasses on covering half her face, but they can tell it's her. And Ezra gives her away, but they don't think that she sees him. She was like on the phone and then she drops her phone in her lap and crosses her arms on the steering wheel and lowers her head onto them and starts shaking like she's crying. They stand there for what feels like forever. But like after a minute, she raises her head and lets out a strangled scream, lifts her sunglasses, wipes her eyes and throws the car into reverse and just like drives out of the driveway. But before she leaves, she sees them 
and she rolls up her window. Like, she doesn't talk to them or anything, but she knows that they saw her upset. Chapter 11, Malcolm, Thursday, September 26th. Malcolm's at Mia's house, and they're talking about how the free press, like the newspaper, picked up the five-year anniversary piece that Viv wrote. And they were calling Mia's house to, so they could get an interview with Daisy. They've been calling the person doing the graffiti, the homecoming stalker. And Daisy refused to do an interview. She barely even leaves her room. Then they talk about how on Monday there was a bloody mess of raw meat on Brooke's car. There was a message for Ellery spray-painted on the side of Armstrong's auto repair. And it read Cochran or Cochran. I don't know. It's their last name. It's Ellery's last name and Sarah's last name. Corcoran's make killer queens is what it said. There's a memorial. There's flowers on the side of the road for where Mr. Bowman was hit. And in that little memorial area, there was a picture of Kat with her eyes gouged out. And it said R.I.P. date of October 5th, which is the day of the homecoming dance. Mia asks if Malcolm has heard anything from Declan. And he says no, because Declan's been ignoring his text. But Declan is back in New Hampshire. And they haven't spoken since the tavern visit. And then Mia mentions that Daisy's just been holed up in her room and hasn't been going anywhere. And Malcolm and Mia are supposed to go meet the twins for dinner. So she tries to be nice and she invites her sister and her sister's like, go away. I'm in for the night. So Malcolm asks if Mia knows what's wrong with Daisy, like why she came home. And she said she's heard her parents talk about it in hushed tones in their room. But they just said that she's been working too hard and needs a break. So they don't really explain it, but they know something's going on. Kat texts Malcolm and says that Brooke broke up with Kyle, but she doesn't know why. And homecoming's next weekend and Brooke needs a date. So Malcolm should just ask her and she sends Malcolm Brooke's number and he saves it, but doesn't say anything. And then Mia teases him and says like, oh, I didn't think you were going to go. They kind of like tease each other because they're too cool to go to homecoming. Mia says, I wasn't going to go, but Daisy's old friends invited her because they're chaperoning. And she said no, because... Mia wasn't even going to go. So then Mia was like, yeah, I am to try to get her sister to get out of the house. So I guess they're all going to prom. I haven't gotten to prom yet, but obviously that's going to be really exciting. I'm sure lots of craziness is going to happen. But anyways, she mentions how she was going to ask this cute girl that works at the cafe to be her date, but she probably is just going to take Ezra as a friend instead. And then Mia mentions that Malcolm should take Ellery because they obviously like each other. He just kind of brushes it off. But then they see Daisy pulling out of the driveway, even though she said she was in for the night. So Mia's like, follow her. I want to know what's going on. So they follow Daisy to two towns over. And it's super anticlimactic. She's just at North Star Counseling Office. I mean, if you're going through something, go see a counselor. Like, I don't really think that's a tell. Normal people go see counselors. But obviously she's upset about something and she's getting help for it. And Mia says that she had no idea Daisy was going counseling. And she thinks it's weird, which I agree with this, that Daisy was keeping that a secret. And Malcolm just says maybe, you know, she wanted privacy because his town's so small, everyone gossips and stuff. And he asked if Daisy seemed depressed and she said no, just withdrawn. And she said Daisy has lots of friends, but she hasn't seen her talk to them lately. And as they're driving back into town to go meet the twins for lunch, they see Vance painting the auto repair shop to cover up the sign that was left for Ellery. I guess Brooke is driving too and in her own car and she gets out of her car, slams the door, walks up to Vance and they're talking and Malcolm's first like assumption is that Vance is going to try something weird with Brooke. But Brooke 
talks to him and then walks off and he says she doesn't look scared or upset. She just looks determined. Chapter 12, Ellery, Friday, September 27th. Ellery gets a call. Well, I guess both the twins are talking to her. Ellery and Ezra on the phone. And they get a call from their mom and she's talking about rehab. I have in my notes. They got a call from their mom and she's talking about crap we don't care about. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, they don't want to tell her about the stalker and the graffiti and everything because they're supposed to only be talking about uplifting things. And then Ezra mentions going to prom with Mia and then their mom kind of is like, well, what about that one boy you were telling me about referring to Malcolm and Ellery says to us, I guess Malcolm's not interested in going to the dance, at least not with me because he hasn't asked her or said anything. And Ellery wants to know more about her mom being homecoming queen because her mom never talks about it. She says, my extroverted attention loving mother hit the absolute pinnacle of high school popularity and she never ever talks about it. So she asks her mom who she went to the dance with and her mom says, dance Puckett. Then she asks her mom if they were serious and her mom says no, but her mom apparently has a nervous tell. So apparently they were serious then she asked if Sarah went and the mom's super uncomfortable and is like, excuse me? Valerie's like, did Sarah have a date to the dance? And the mom doesn't answer. And she says, was it someone from Echo Ridge? And the mom says, no, and I got to go. Bye. So there is a pep rally at Bright Farms tonight. And Nan told Officer Rodriguez, Officer Ryan, that she wants him to drive them with everything, with like a stalker on the loose and everything going on. Nan is talking to Ryan when he comes to pick them up and says she'd be happier if they canceled homecoming altogether. Why give whoever is behind this more ammunition? And he says, well, it's kind of the opposite. Why give them more power? Because their threats would work if they shut down the dance. So kind of agree with both sides. They get in the car with him and Ellery asked if the pep rally is going to be in the bloody big top. And he's like, yeah. And she says, are you going to go? He's dropping them off, but he's not going to the actual pep rally. And he said, I graduated long ago, so why would I go to this? And Ellery asked if he knew Mia's sister, Daisy, and says, oh, Daisy might be there. Definitely might be there, even though none of that's true. She's just trying to see how he'll react. And he basically says, like, he knows them, but, like, hardly. They weren't friends or anything. Ezra asked if he knew Lacey. He tells them that he has to listen to the police radio and that they need to be quiet for a while. Chapter 13, Ellery, Friday, September 27th. Ryan drops them off at the big top and they meet Mia in the audience and Malcolm has to play for the band. So he's not there right now. And there's someone from channel five who's covering the vandalism story and Viv is sitting with them and she's being all ridiculous and snooty and talking about how the news station picked up her story and they're probably going to pick up this. Where are they now? Five years article she's trying to write. So the band starts to play and Ellery is talking about how Malcolm's all cute and he has a solo and it's kind of drawn out. It's basically she likes him. It's just showing that she's starting to fall for him. Cheerleaders are performing with the band and Ellery brings up to Viv, oh, I thought you were a cheerleader. And Mia's like, oh, source subject. And then Viv says, I'm too busy with the paper. So basically Kat and Brooke are cheerleaders and they're dating football players, even though Brooke just broke up with Kyle. And Viv is kind of on the outskirts of she's just like not cheerleader anymore. She doesn't have a boyfriend. She just writes for the paper. Malcolm comes back up in the audience and they're talking about the state championship that his brother won with a Hail Mary pass the brother's junior year. 
Ellery kind of mentions how when she talks to Malcolm, she feels like they're always having some conversations about Sarah and what's going on with Lacey. And she talks about to us how Sadie must have been before she lost Sarah and then how she is now that Sarah's gone and how Declan was before Lacey. And now that Lacey's gone, he's like a suspect how he's different. And then Mia reaches over and asks Malcolm if he did the thing, which is implying asking Ellery to the homecoming dance. And Malcolm says no. And then Ellery says to us that she feels like there's something she's missing, which obviously, how come when people like each other, they just can't realize it? Super obvious. Okay. So the coach at this pep rally is talking about the upcoming game and how they're going to win and how the week after that is a homecoming game. There's like a big screen TV behind the coach and it's playing a highlight reel and the lights of the big screen go out and then the TV pops back on and there's static followed by a photo of Lacey in her homecoming crown and then her picture rips in half and it's replaced by Brooke, Kat, and Ellery and Brooke and Kat's photos are their class photos and Ellery's is a candid photo and Ellery recognizes what she's wearing and knows that the photo was taken yesterday when her and Ezra were downtown going to meet Malcolm and Mia for lunch. But I just want to stay here that earlier they talk about Ellery and Ezra being dressed for their class photos. So they definitely have class photos. Hers just wasn't used. Then she talks about the horror music playing and laughter spilling over the speakers. <laughs> And then red liquid drips down the screen, followed by jagged letters that say soon, and it fades away and everyone's frozen except for the news reporter who runs up to interview the coach. We have two more chapters for this first part. This is Malcolm's last chapter for today. Chapter 14, Malcolm, Saturday, September 28th. So Malcolm is supposed to pick up Ezra and Ellery from Fright Farms after their shift because Nan doesn't want them walking through the woods with this person on the loose. So he goes up to the House of Horrors, and it's supposed to be empty, but he hears music playing and people are talking. And he can't get into the front door, and then he sees a basement door propped open. And I'm assuming it's like a tornado shelter, like if you've ever seen the movie Twister. Like the ones that are underground, you have to like pull the door shut from above you. So it's all super creepy, and he talks about how when he was 10, his brother took him to the House of Horrors and left him, and it was all scary, and he had nightmares and stuff about it. So he's downstairs in this basement. No one's down there. And then behind a curtain comes the staff makeup artist girl. And she tells him that he can go upstairs and there's a party going on. And they always have a party the Saturday before the owner's birthday, which is super weird because it's just the workers. Like the owner's not even there. And she mentions that as a dry party, so no drinking. So he goes upstairs and he runs into Bib and she asks him if she can interview him for the next article for the where are they now and she wants his perspective because of how everyone feels that Declan's guilty and maybe he could defend himself and Malcolm gets really mad and he says no and he walks away and he said she's been enjoying her 15 minutes of fame now that this news station has picked up her story but he doesn't want to extend it. Then he sees Ellery talking to a guy and he gets all jealous thinking the guy is flirting with her. But the guy really has a wife and child at home and he was just like talking to her about normal stuff and left. I don't really know how this comes up, but he talks about feeling bad and ashamed because every once in a while he imagines his brother losing control of his hair trigger temper at the exactly the wrong moment. I feel like something in his conversation with Ellery triggered this thought. But anyways... 
So they go on talking, and Ellery talks about her mom and how they haven't told her anything that's really going on in the town, and it's only supposed to be, like, uplifting communication. Then they're getting ready to go, and they're looking for Ezra, and they go downstairs to try to find him, because he's not upstairs at the party. And they get these water bottles to drink, and it's super awkward. They drop them, and then they bump heads, and then they stand up, and then... She moves closer and he puts his hand on her chin and their lips part. And then you hear someone yell, damn it. (laughs) And they pull apart and they don't actually kiss. And it's Brooke who is sloppy drunk. And she's sitting on the floor in this office that's downstairs. And she's trying to pick a lock with a paperclip. And she also makes a that's what she said joke, which is pretty awesome. But they ask Brooke what she's doing. And she says... I need to get it back. I shouldn't have. I just shouldn't have. I have to show them this isn't right. It's not okay. No one knows what she's talking about. And they ask her what happened. Actually, I think at this point, Ellery goes upstairs to look for Ezra so they can leave. And she says to Malcolm, have you ever made a really bad mistake? And he's like, yeah, I make mistakes all the time. And she says, no, not regular stuff, like really bad. And He asks her what happened and she doesn't tell him. And then she says that she wishes that she had different friends and she wishes everything was different and that he's the best person in his house. So this is referring to Kat, like them having some sort of falling out. Malcolm even mentions that he thinks that his sister and Brooke had a falling out. Then she talks about how she broke up with Kyle, but she doesn't give any details. She just says she broke up with him. Ellery finds Ezra. They all get out to the car. The twins are in the back. She's in the front seat. And... He drops Ellery and Ezra off first because they live right around the corner from Fright Farms and Brooke lives on the edge of town. He drops his twins off. Ezra's waiting in the driveway. Ellery, they're just being awkward again. She's talking to Malcolm and he's like, oh, maybe I could call you sometime. Ooh, because you like me? Great. So it's really awkward. And then Brooke like makes some noise like, hi, I'm still in the car. Don't be awkward, which is exactly what I do, because that's super uncomfortable. But Ellery is, like, concerned about Brooke, and she's like, are you sure you're going to be okay? And Brooke sits there for a really long time, and then she just says, why wouldn't I be? Okay, last chapter. And it gets crazy. I wanted to end on a cliffhanger. Chapter 15, Ellery, Sunday, September 29th. First of all, Ezra made Ellery tell him all about the almost kiss and stuff, and Ellery is looking at the clock, and it's like early morning, 8.30. So it's too early for Malcolm to call and she's just like waiting and Ezra's teasing her. But they're sitting and looking at Sadie's old photo album, like Homecoming. It's like Sadie and Vance and they talk about how, oh, Vance did used to be cute, like mom said, now he's just a hot mess. I think Nan comes in, she's like cleaning and they ask her if Sarah went to Homecoming and she says no. And she says that, Maybe they asked if she went with anybody to homecoming, and she says no. Even though their mom said, no, he wasn't from their town. So obviously she had a date of someone we don't know or we probably haven't met yet. But then Nan goes on to say that she was a late bloomer, and the only boys she'd ever talked to are the ones that Sadie went out with. Then Officer Ryan comes running up to their house, and he's completely panicked, and he he asks if Ellery's there. And Nan's like, yeah, of course, why? And he sees Ellery, and he says, oh, thank God. Have you been here all night? And she's like, well, yeah. And Nance asks what happened, and he says, Brooke Bennett didn't come home last night, and her parents aren't sure where she is. Nan goes off on him, and she's basically saying, this is the police's fault. I told you 
that you should have kept better watch on these girls. They've been threatened publicly multiple times. What is wrong with you? And they were just like super threatened two days ago. And Ryan's defending it, like defending the police's actions. And Nan says, missing girls don't come home in Echo Ridge, Ryan. You know that. Which, dang, Nan. As they're talking to each other, Ellery and Ezra are whispering to each other. And they're talking about how they have to tell the police that they were with Brooke right before she disappeared and that Malcolm took her home and is probably the last person that saw her. The chapter ends with Ellery saying, I know I have to tell Officer Rodriguez and my grandmother that our friend, Declan Kelly's brother, was very likely the last person to see an Echo Ridge homecoming princess before she went missing. And I know exactly how that's going to look. And that's the end. And that's where we're stopping. And that's part one of Two Can Keep a Secret. So, I know last time I did lingering questions. And I feel like the questions in this book are kind of obvious. Like, what happened to Brooke? What happened to Sarah? What happened to Lacey? So, my section today is lingering questions slash lingering theories that I have. So, my first question, like I said, is very obvious. What happened to Brooke? And what I'm feeling happened is that Malcolm dropped her off and she either never went into her house or she later left her house. Also, she was drunk, so I don't feel like it would be unreasonable for her to later leave her house and try to like maybe go back to the fairgrounds and get whatever paper she was or whatever she was trying to get out of the locked drawer earlier. So my next question is, is Sarah dead or alive? Because she's just missing, so she could definitely be alive. And I feel like if you were just going to kill her off at some point, you would have just already done that. You wouldn't have her missing for 23 years. Nan talks about how there were no boys. Like, she wouldn't run off because she didn't have a boyfriend or anything like that. But then she talks about how the only boys she really talked to were Sadie's boyfriends. So we already know that Sadie dated Vance Puckett, but we also know that she dated Chad McNulty. And another fact we know is that the girls used to switch places and, like, play tricks on each other. So it makes me wonder if maybe one time Sarah pretended to be Sadie and went on a date with one of the boys and then they found out that they really liked each other or something. The other question I have pertaining to that, pertaining to them switching, is maybe Sadie was the real target because she was the actual homecoming queen and maybe they like switch spots and whoever, if she, if she is missing because she was kidnapped or something, maybe they took Sarah thinking it was Sadie. So my next question is, who is Declan coming in town to see? And I feel like the most obvious person is Daisy. But I also feel like maybe it could be Officer Ryan because they went to school together. But I don't really think Declan would be coming back for any of the younger kids or maybe he's working together with Melanie to try to figure out what actually happened to Lacey because I don't think Declan killed Lacey that's way too obvious my next question is kind of a weird one what is the connection of this owner who we don't know who they are at Fright Farms to everything else going on so they don't say if the owner is male or female they say the party that they were having was because it was it's the Saturday before their weekend or before their birthday. And it's the week before homecoming. So I feel like that timing's really weird since both crimes or whatever you want to call them happen at homecoming. And now there's threats on this homecoming. And then what was Brooke looking for? And I would assume that would have to relate back to the owner because it was in an office that she was trying to pick a lock. And then this is kind of a crazy theory, but it would be super cool. What if Sadie 
isn't actually dead or anything and she's just missing and she's running the fright farms and maybe she knows what happened to Lacey. I don't know. And maybe Brooke found out about it. That'd be really cool. Cause I feel like it's kind of like a phantom of the opera thing. Like she's living in the basement of the opera house and she's manipulating everybody. Sets a whole place on fire. That'd be kind of cool. So <laughs> my, one of my theories is I think Brooke was involved with the hit and run of the teacher, Jason Bowman. Either she was driving the car, her boyfriend was driving the car, or maybe even like Kat was driving the car, and then they're teenagers and they panic and they drove away. Because she is the one that gets super worked up about whenever his death was talking about, like full-blown tears. And I get that it's her teacher, but she's the only one reacting that severely. And Kat like basically tells her to get over it, and Brooke and Kyle broke up. So either of those falling outs would explain if they were there together and were involved in the hit and run. So my next theory is that Viv made the slideshow at the pep rally, but someone else, like the real person threatening them, uh, added the candid photo of Ellery. So Viv would have access to the senior photo, like their yearbook photos that they just took. And I think it would make sense that she put together the slideshow because she would know if the newscasters were going to be at the event and then it would make them want to talk to her and pick up her story because they hadn't picked it up at that point. But then I think it, if the app was broken into to rig the votes for Ellery, the person that did that, who I don't think is Viv, could have added the candid photo of Ellery to say like, hey, I am following you. I'm trying to freak you out. I'm targeting you intentionally. I have a kind of weird theory about who may have killed Lacey. I'm not fully convinced, but I just think this would be a fun, fun, probably not the right word, a good theory. So in this theory, Liz, who is Kyle's sister and the officer Chad McNulty's daughter, she has motive because she would have been jealous that Declan broke up with her for Lacey. And they said it was like a personal and violent crime. And her dad was the lead investigator on Lacey's murder. So if he figured out that it was his daughter, he obviously could have covered up for her. And it would make sense that he would point the uh, investigation in the direction of Declan because it's talked about multiple times about how Liz's family thinks that Declan ruined her life. And if all that is true, I feel like they, it could go in the direction that maybe Ryan, Officer Ryan, is figuring out that there's some sort of cover-up going on. I'm not sold on this theory, but I definitely think it's something that could happen. So we're done. That was the first. Actually, we're a little over halfway in this book. And in two weeks, we'll do the second half. So until then, you can find me on Instagram at the Jolly Reader Podcast, and I would love to hear your theories slash lingering questions. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you get the updates and notifications when the next episode comes out. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a review. I don't, if you don't like it, good, bad, whatever, I want feedback and it helps me get found so more people can listen to the podcast if there's reviews will pop up for them. Please share, share with everyone you know anyone that reads books, anyone that doesn't read books, anyone that likes mystery, I don't care, please share. <laughs> and if you stay tuned, I will have outtakes for you, like I usually do. So if you like secondhand embarrassment, stay tuned for that. And I will talk to you guys in two weeks for the second half of Two Can Keep a Secret. And until we sail again, this has been the Jolly Reader. Bon voyage! Hey, you made it to the outtakes. Let's do it. 
testing, testing, we're gonna record. It's really hot out, so my dogs are gonna be inside, so I'm probably gonna be yelling at them a lot. Okay, let's go. Whoops. Hold on a second. Cat toy. Okay. So. They've only... Did I really not mute my phone? For real? Pause. So they have a full... Oh no, now my dog's whining to go out. This is going to be a long editing session. It's pause. So... Let's see here. Sunny! The one dog that doesn't have a bark collar. Okay. Back to... What is this town called? Oh, her mom's... Backstory about Sadie and why the twins are in town. Whoops. I'm going to mute my computer because we had this problem last time. Why is this not working? Okay. So... Oh, okay. So then... I think when Lacey... Hey! Hey! And he's like short some credits and stuff. Patchy, what are you doing in here? Go. Get out. So, Patchy, he's setting off a cat toy. <laughs> People are mowing and this dog won't be quiet. Sunny. Okay, so... My neighbor's mowing their lawn, so I'm really hoping it does not pick up on this. No one likes a Kelly boy staring or whatever. Or whatever. Leaving those... Oh, so, okay. So, Liv... I keep calling her Liv. Chapter 9, Milk. Bleh. And Malcolm says that Declan could care less about his sister and couldn't care less. Whatever. What's the actual phrase? He could care less. He couldn't care less. Ellery's by her locker and she nonchalant. She nonchalantly. Cat drives Malcolm home and she's in a mood. So Ellery and Ezra are at the public library, li library, Queen Cork Corcoran, Corcoran Queens make, or no, Corcoran's make killer queens is what it said. Whoops. Almost dropped my mic. Literally, moo ha ha. And insert laughing sound effect here. I am Allie, and you were with me to my mom.